KMTT, Ki, Mitzion, Tetzei Torah. And today is Monday, regular Shir of Harav Moshe Taragin about Tefillah. Harav Taragin. The previous Shir outlined the dual templates or models upon which Chazal fashioned Tefillah. Based on a Gemara in Brachos and Daf Chavav, Kineged Olmos Tiknum, Kineged Kodolmos Tiknum, and ultimately, as the Rambam himself ruled, the Rambam himself cited each model, reminding us that Tefillah is fueled or is enhanced based on the precedent of Avos as well as the precedent of Korbanos, and that in many ways Korbanos democratizes the experience in a manner that the template of Avos may not have achieved. Had we daven simply because of our Avos, it may have become an elitist experience reserved only for singular characters. But Karbanos is an experience for every man. Why were Tfilos modeled after Avos? Why wasn't it enough for Chazal to search for the precedent of Tfilah? In Karbanos, in Beis HaMikdash, why was it necessary to invoke Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and their tefillos and their moments of tefillah? The answer is, of course, twofold. First of all, the fact that our Avos daven at various stages of their own struggle, of their own odyssey, lends us the confidence to daven. After all, the experience of tefillah is a very intimidating one, theologically as well as psychologically. What right does a person have to stand in front of the Melech, Malchei HaMlachim, and lodge his personal, perhaps egotistical requests for health, and financial affluence, and personal achievement and success? What right does a man with mortal and flawed tongue have to stand in front of the Rabboni Shalom at all, let alone lodge all these personal requests? This is, of course, a classic question of tefillah, which has haunted tefillah for centuries. Hasidus dealt with this question extensively. But beyond the question of the very encounter, the very moment of tefillah, what confidence can we muster that indeed our tefillahs will be accepted by the Melech, Malchem, Lachem, that the tefillahs will reach the Kisei HaKavod, and that our requests will be granted, that our agenda will be successful. The fact that the founders of Jewish history, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, employed tefillah as a tool to achieve certain goals, as a method of communicating with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lends us confidence when we begin our tefillah. Part of our invoking Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov is to establish a lineage, a history, a heritage of prayer, and to sort of fit ourselves, to incorporate ourselves within that process. We recite the Psukim of David Amalekh, reminding ourselves that David Amalekh Davin for his own forgiveness. And we seek similar tshuva and similar. Kapara from the Rabboni Shalala. This notion that invoking the Avos attunes us to the history, to the heritage of Tvila, 
This can be sensed in a very interesting medrash in Parshas B'Shalach. The medrash describes really the first moment of national tefillah. When Am Yisrael was cornered at the Yamsuf, and the Jewish people had really yet to express their national or collective voice during the proceedings of the Exodus. It had been very quiet. In fact, the entire drama of Itzias Mitzrayim was tilted away from a human role and a human voice. Ki b'chipazan yatsasa me'eretz Mitzrayim. But finally, Am Yisrael is cornered in Parshas B'Shalach. The Egyptians advance on one side. The sea blockades them on the other side. And it's almost as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu desires their tefillah, as I mentioned in last week's share. Miyad, immediately the Medrash tells us, it's a Mechilt in Parshas B'Shalach, Tafsu lahen umanos Avraham Yitzchak v'Yaakov. They began to adopt or to employ the trade of their fathers. They remember that Avraham Davin, several moments in his history, in his career, even they remembered Yitzchak's davening when Rivka gazed at him upon their first meeting. They remembered Yaakov's davening. And remembering and reminding themselves of these moments lent them the, the confidence to daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to expect that their tefillos would be answered, and not just in general, but in this case in particular, they had the confidence that their tefillos would save them and rescue them from the advancing Egyptian army. In particular, they remembered Yaakov's tefillah in Shechem. Yaakov in Parshas Vayechi reminds his children that he succeeded against the people of Shechem, Becharbi Uvekashti, which literally means my sword and my arrows, my bows and arrows, the Chazal interpret as a reference to a militant form of tefillah, an aggressive form of tefillah, to solicit a Kaddish Baruch Hu's response. Hema karu v'nafalo v'anachnu kamnu v'nesodad Eile v'arechev eile v'asusin the Medrash concludes Am Yisrael took confidence that in this moment of crisis facing a seemingly inconquerable foe their tefillahs would be successful. So Establishing tefillah based on the example, the precedent of the Avos, in many ways lends confidence, whether it's national confidence or personal confidence, that our tefillahs would be accepted. But by far and away, the more important contribution of Avos, of the model or the precedent of Avos to tefillah, is precisely in lending a human voice and a spontaneity to our tefillahs. The world of Karbanos, by definition, are structured, regimented, and disciplined. When we stand in front of the Malach Malchei Hamlachim in the base Hamikdash, we don't act. We don't act arbitrarily. But we follow protocol and procedure as carefully as possible, in order to reinforce within our own minds and within the overall environment that sense of awe and majesty that this encounter is not an encounter of equals but an intimidating, awe-inspiring moment in which mortal man reaches out to the unspeakable and unknowable God. We walk and we act exactly as we are told, and that's why the world of Karbanos is punctuated 
by such seemingly picayune details. What difference does it make if this animal is brought or that animal, how old the animal is, where the animal is sacrificed, where the blood is sprinkled, how many times? After all, wouldn't the ceremony in the Beis HaMikdash be more colorful and more majestic? If people had the ability to offer their own choice and their own interests, that's the very point. When you stand in front of a Kodesh Baruch you don't cross boundaries and you don't ad-lib, you don't act as you choose, because if you do, then you are almost ignoring that moment and that presence of a Kodesh Baruch It's almost self-deification rather than worshipping a Kodesh Baruch The great error of Nadav and Avihu, that boundaries can be crossed, that our euphoria and zeal at the prospect of encountering a Kodesh Baruch warrants crossing boundaries and taking liberties, and they were dealt with severely and incinerated in order to demonstrate this very notion, this very principle. Bekrovaya Kadesh. They weren't only punished, but they were taken as examples. Every morning in Karbanos, we recite the fifth parak of Zvachim. We recite a parak of Mishnayas in a symbolic gesture, at least to read one parak of Mishnayas before our busy daily routine starts. Why of all Prakim and Shas was the fifth parak of Zvachim selected? Because the fifth parak of Zvachim is the only parak in Shas which does not contain any machlokas. There's no machlokas, there's no dispute amongst the Tanayim. Because when it comes to Karbanas, there was no room for creativity, for disagreement, for Ezeo Mekoman Shal Zvachim, the location, the timing, the sequence of Karbanas has to be carefully, carefully adhered to. So the world of Karbanos, the world of Avodas Beis HaMikdash, is highly, highly disciplined. There's no variance or little variance and deviation allowed. And inasmuch as Tefillah is an extension of Karbanos, by and large, Tefillah reflects the same structuring. We don't add Tefillos when we want and how we want. There is a position in the Gemara Brachos, Halavai Yispalel Adam Kolayom Kula, that a person can and should daven all day long, but by and large this was not adopted by Moshe Shonim, and it was carefully modified or carefully qualified to refer to very specific instances. One of the great disappointments with the original generation of Hasidus on behalf of its greatest opponents was some of the liberties taken in the world of Tefillah. One disappointment stemmed from the decentralization of Torah and the prioritization of Tefillah. The very fact that Tefillah could replace Talmud Torah as a central or pivotal feature of Avodah Hashem. But some of the opposition was based on the freedom and liberty expressed in the world of Tefillah. The alteration of Zmane Tefillah in particular. The sense that timing in Tefillah was only a recommendation was only an ideal rather than a strict and um, inalienable framework to tefillah. The decision not just to alter or to manipulate the timing of tefillahs, but the text of tefillahs itself. Timing and text all bear the strict regimentation of korbanos, we never add tefillos. The only tefillos we add are Musaf, because there was a special carbon sacrificed on the days which we recite Musaf, as well as Ne'ilah, which is a special tefillah, 
recited on all Tanis Tzibor. Of course, the only remnant of a Tanis Tzibor in today's reality is Yom Kippur, so it's the only day we recite in Elah. But typically, any Tanis Tzibor mandated an extra tefillah because on a Tanis Tzibor, a unique Chiyav of tefillah entails. But typically, we don't recite extra tefillos. The closest to extra tefillos in our daily or our yearly schedule are the tefillos of slichos. The Rav Zatzal claimed that part of the reason that slichos were, so to speak, relegated to after hours, to early morning or late evening, is precisely to demonstrate that this can't and shouldn't be considered a tefillah. Because the notion of adding an extra tefillah rejects or denies the rigidity of tefillah, which it inherits from karbanos. Very often, orthodox form of tefillah is derided because it's so dry and it's so insipid, so regimented. Wouldn't it be more spontaneous and creative, spirited and energetic if people stood up in shul and said what they wanted and how they wanted, of course, in a respectful manner? And our response is, of course, that this regimentation and rigidity is inherited from the world of Karbanos. And this rigidity ensures the majesty of the moment and the recognition and acknowledgement that we are standing in front of and davening to the Melech Ma'achahim Lachim Baruch Too close, too familiar, and too comfortable a tefillah experience almost ignores the divine, or at least paganizes the divine into human dimension. So there's no question that tefillos, by and large, bear the rigidity of korbanos, again, both in the timing of tefillos as well as the text of tefillos. We're very careful about the text we employ, constantly invoking texts which have been already employed by our avos. We will recite the psukim of David HaMelech. We will not introduce new psukim, our own psukim. It's a very famous Gemara in Brachos Lamed Gimel about a chazan who David in front of Rebbe Hanina. And he began literally to ad lib, to describe a Kodesh Baruch Hu in a very, very extensive series of quality uh, uh, features or characteristics. Gadol, Gibor, Izos, Nara, forget the exact terms, but 15, 20 terms he used to describe Hashem. Rabbi Hanina calmly waited for him to finish. And when this chazan finished, he wondered, Siamta, Lekula, Shvacha, Demare, have you already exhausted the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Hashem's praise is limitless, is infinite. By offering an inevitably partial list, this chazan was indeed insulting HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The list in Tefillah Shachris, Yatsev, V'nachon, V'kayam, V'yashar, V'nemon, V'ahu, V'chavi, V'nechmad, V'nayim, V'nara, that list does not describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God forbid. That list describes our belief in the truth of our convictions. Hashem Elokechem MS, that conviction of Hashem's being MS, that itself is Yatsev Nachon Kayim V'yashar, that has lasted, that's durable, that's upright. We would never fashion our own personal list of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's features and traits. 
The three we do employ, and we employ them constantly, Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibar, Vihanara, are a trilogy almost, three terms that Moshe Rabbeinu coins in Dvarim, Hakel, Hagadol, Hagibar, Vihanara, Asher, Lo Yisafanim, and since Moshe Rabbeinu introduced them, we feel confident in employing them in Shimon Esrei and several other locations in Davening and Berchus Kriyashma. So part of our embrace of this rigidity of davening is not just in disciplining our timing, but in maintaining a strict liturgy, called primarily from Avos, Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, David HaMelech, primarily reciting their psukim, which they canonized, and which were legislated by Anshe Knesset Hagidola thousands of years ago. However, that being said, that Tfilos inherit the structure, the rigidity, the regiment of Korbanos, the fact that Tfilos is based on Avos allows and encourages us to lend a human voice, an emotional underpinning to our Tfilos. A carbon is just that, it's a carbon. But Avraham Davin at a different stage of his life, in a very different frame of mind, for very different reasons, with very different passions. Yitzchak davened in a different state of mind to achieve different goals. Yaakov's davening was of a third variety. And by extrapolating tefillah from the precedent of the Avos, Chazal meant to encourage us to daven as human beings, with a human voice, to fuel our davening with human emotions. And even if the liturgy isn't altered, even if the text is unchanging, passion, the tide that moves our tefillos are meant to be very human, very spontaneous, electric, energetic. Had tefillos been based solely on karbanos, perhaps the rigidity would have established or would have caused sterility. And there's a difference between rigidity and sterility. There's a rigid framework but within that framework of timing and text, we're meant to pour our hearts and our emotions into a passionate and fervent religious experience. How did each of the Avos daven? What marked and characterized Avraham's tefillah? What characterized Yitzchak's and what demarcated Yaakov's tefillah? When describing the tefillah of Avraham Avinu, the Torah employs... A fascinating verb. Bayashkeim Avraham Baboker, Bracious Perak Yutes, Pasach Avraham awakens early in the morning, and this, according to many versions, is the source for the trait or for the notion of Zriza Makdimim le Mitzvos, that we should accelerate our performance of Mitzvos. We should diligently and enthusiastically perform Mitzvos at the soonest possible moment with great alacrity. And in particular, when it comes to davening, in particular, there's an element of Zizus pertaining davening. Of course, that element can be tempered by other aspects which could enhance tefillah. For example, we typically do not daven at the first break of Alos HaShachar. We try to time our davening with Neitzachama in order to create the effect of recognizing the Rabboni Shalom's presence as the daily schedule shifts from evening as the sun rises and the moon descends, in part to reject the notion that either the sun or the moon 
our, um, our deities, in part to reject ancient forms of idolatry, perhaps in the modern context for other reasons as well. Certainly, Barovam Hadras Melech, the ability to daven with a minion, may, uh, may preempt the value of Zriza Makdim Lemitzvos. But taken on its own, ideally, Vayashkem Avram Babok, where Avram arises early in the morning, El HaMakom Asher to the place that he had stirred this Pasuk and Rashi's Parakutas, Pasuk of Zion, describes the day after stone was annihilated, he returned to the same place that he had davened on behalf of stone, Espenei Hashem, the place that he had stood in front of HaKadosh Baruch The Gemara in Brachos claims, El HaMakom Asher Ein Amida El the phrase, the verb Amida here refers to Avraham's tefillah. Intriguingly, Avraham's tefillah is captured by the verb Amad. This verb Amad is a non-verbal description. This pasuk does not describe what Avraham said. It does not provide the text of his tefillah. In fact, it's likely that the text of his tefillah on this day was fairly irrelevant. This was after Stone had been destroyed. The day before, the text was highly decisive. Bargaining, negotiating, importuning on behalf of the people of Stone. The day after, Stone had been incinerated. What did Avram have to say? I'm sure he had something to say. But the Torah doesn't record it. And presumably it's less influential, it's less crucial or pivotal to the actual story. But the Torah describes his tefillah that day. And the description of his tefillah that day serves as the source of Avram's tefillah, and by extension, the source of our own tefillah. The first stage, the first foundation of tefillah is nonverbal. Is maintaining that presence, that proximity in the presence of a Baruch Hu, to stand before God even, so to speak, if you don't say anything. Obviously, you say something, but the words are the, cement, I don't mean to use a pun, are the pretext, or the context. Tefillah is presence, standing in front of Hashem. Very often, when people ask me, or when I challenge myself to improve tefillah, how can you improve your tefillah? And instinctively, sometimes, our first response to go out and buy a new safer, a new explanation on tefillah, some bold new definition of what we're saying. To me, it seems like a greater trick or a bit of advice would be to almost forget the words. Not to forget or to ignore them, but to try to focus as long as possible on that sense of standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and standing in front of Kisi HaKavah. Our mind wanders and we lose that sense of presence and of space. And the more that we can lock into that recognition that we are indeed during our tefillos, O Medlifne Hashem, standing in front of the Malach Machem Lachem, in front of the Kisi HaKavah, I think our tefillos will be enhanced even if we don't understand necessarily every word that we say. I believe this is the gist of what Rabbi Eliezer told his Talmidim. The Gemara in Brachos on Chavches narrates a story. Rabbi Eliezer's Talmidim visit him as he's about to die. 
They say, Rabbeinu, Lamdeinu Arachas Chayim Benizkebem Lachayom Abba, teach us about life. Give us some final bits of advice, of input. So he gives them various statements about studying Tanakh and about respecting their peers. Respecting Tamini Chachamim, and he concludes, Uchashatem Mispalim, Brachas Chavchasim Edbeis, when you daven, De'u, Lifnei Miatem Omdim. A famous phrase. But a phrase which was launched or popularized by Rabbi He was not encouraging them to think about their words more carefully, but just to maintain that spatial sense, that proximity. Davening primarily is spatial. It's an encounter, a rendezvous. It's a meeting between man and Rabbanu Shalom. And the more intense we are aware, the more acutely we are Sensing that presence, the richer our davening is. This we learn from Avram. Avram's text or statements are not recorded. The Torah describes Avram's tefillah as a tefillah space of presence. El hamakom asher amacham is Hashem. Without informing us exactly what was said, because in training us to daven and in building that base level of tefillah of makom and amida the text is less important. This notion that tefillah is primarily an experience of space and proximity with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and in particular that Avraham established that mode of tefillah, this is precisely the reason that makom kavua, that a permanent place of davening is so crucial. The Gemara in Brachos and Davavam and Bey says as follows, Amr Rebbe Chelbo, Amr Whoever davens in a permanent place, Eloke Avraham be Ezrel, the God of Avraham, supports his tefillah and his experience in general. And when that person who davened in a makam kavua dies, Amrimlo, Eanav, E Chasid, he was humble, he was pious. Mitamidav shall Avraham Avinu. He is a disciple of Avraham. The Avraham Avinu minalan the kavam makom. How do we know that Avraham established a permanent place of davening? Nechsev ayashkim Avraham baboker ala makom sharamachan. The quotes are pasuk. He returned to the same place the day after that he had davened the day before. Why specifically is makom kavua associated with Avraham? Why is a person who maintains a makom kavua referred to as a disciple of Avraham and he receives the benefits of Loke Avraham? Presumably, Makom Kavu is a universal value. The answer is again, if indeed Tvila is a spatial relationship, establishing that notion, that cognizance, that recognition of standing in front of Hashem, launching that consciousness, that mentality is much easier if you stand in the same space, in the same location, in the same building, with the same people. It's very difficult to generate or manufacture that space reality when you're constantly on the move, when you dive it in different places. It is specifically Avraham's principle of tefillah, of Amida, of of that encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is so dependent upon Makom Kavur, which is so dependent upon one common place for davening. And herein lies one of the major challenges of tefillah in the modern context, because we really don't have space durability or space continuity. And in particular when it comes to davening. We think back a few generations, two or three generations, it's likely that our grandparents, 
or our great-grandparents davened most, if not all, of their tefillos during their lifetime in the exact same location, in the exact same shul, next to the exact same people. Travel did not dislocate their space continuum. They were stayed in one space. Today, in most cases, our tefillos are splintered or sprinkled across many different locations. And it challenges us to maintain that sense of Hashem's presence in a way that previous generations didn't have to face. Shacharis, we have to somehow coordinate with our schedule, with our work, with our children. Mincha, we grab as best as we can because our work day extends far into the evening, certainly during the winter months. In Marv, we were able to somehow schedule based on convenience, based on the limitations of our schedule. I know that on Shabbos sometimes, many people have the ability to daven all their tefillahs in one location. It just takes sometimes a little bit of effort. Sometimes even on Shabbos we have a little bit more time. Sometimes people divide their tefillahs based on convenience. If possible, and the tefillahs could be condensed into one location, at least for Shabbos, that dramatically alters the tefillah of Shabbos. At least for one day, you daven three, four tefillahs together with the same people, in the same location, in the same spot. At least to taste this principle of makom kavua. So the first layer, the first foundation of tefillah, is the layer of Amida, of standing, of presence in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. omdim. In many ways it's not verbal. It doesn't depi- depend or rely upon a verbal component. Obviously, you don't just stand in silence. You stand, you praise, you question, you request, excuse me, you celebrate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the words in this respect are secondary. The primary gist of Avraham's tefillah is Amida, standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, re-establishing that presence, maintaining that mentality, that sense of the Melech Malchei Hamlachim. And it is this element which Avraham conveys or endows to Tefillah. Mir Hashem, in our next year, we will explore the Tefillah of Yitzchak as well as the Tefillah of Yaakov.